blessings to everyone. Welcome to the new Just Us Speaks podcast from Just Leadership. I'm your co-host, Lester Young. And I am your co-host, Hakeem Crampton. Just Us Speaks is being produced to amplify the voices of directly impacted people, particularly the voices of formerly incarcerated people. Just Leadership was founded on the principle that those who are closest to the problem are closest to the solution, but too often further from the resources and the power to affect positive change. So here on our first season of the Just Us Speaks podcast, we are interviewing leaders from the most recent 2022 cohort of Just Leadership USA's Leading with Conviction Leadership Training Program. Today, we're blessed to be speaking with Maggie Luna. Maggie is currently serving as policy analyst and community outreach coordinator for the Texas Center for Justice and Equity. Her work also involves research, such as coordinating activities, and communicating issues related to decreasing the prison population and transforming policies within the context of the criminal justice system in the state of Texas. Maggie also strives to cultivate relationship with policymakers and key stakeholders to effectively advocate and end harsh sentencing and racial inequalities within the context of the criminal justice system, while also researching legislation proposals that work to reform the criminal justice system, to operate equitably and ensure humanity for all. And so Maggie is also you know, organizing the Statewide Leadership Council, a team of system-impacted leaders advocating for transformation in Texas justice system. Maggie, we welcome you to Just Us Podcast. Hi, Hakeem and Lester. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. What's going over in Texas before we get into this podcast? Like, what's going on? How's life? How's the family? What's going on? Well, the family's great. We just finished out the midterms and it did not go amazing. So we just continue our fight and keep working, you know, for people like us who are impacted by these policies that are put in place. Mm. Tell us before we get into it, like, tell us a little more about you. We had an opportunity to read, uh, me and Hakeem read some of your bio, but who is the real Maggie Luna? Who's the real Maggie right now? That no one that we didn't get a chance to read about. Who are you? I am, like you said, the policy analyst and community outreach coordinator, but I spent 20 years um, in and out of jail, prison, rehab, the streets, homelessness, and you know, I I just really, truly believe that that was the life that I was going to subscribe to and end all mm-hmm. until, you know, I lost everything, everything, like my children, my rights to my children. I was homeless. I was deep in addiction. And I just realized that one day my kids were going to come find me. And how did I want them to find me? Mm-hmm. And also the last time I was in prison, I thought I was going to die mm-hmm. from the heat the food, the treatment. And I would I would always think like, is there somebody out there that knows that we are dying in here? Mm. Like in my mind, I thought somebody just has to know, you know, I figured somebody would come fix it. <laughs> and I had to realize that nobody's coming to fix it. We have to do it. You know, we have to get out and show that there are real people in there, no matter what the charge is, they're still human, you know? And so that's what I do every day is try to break down that stigma and show them that we come back to your communities. How do you want us to come back? Powerful. Wow. So now, Maggie, that you've come back to your community, tell us about your work and you know how you got into your work. Uh, and tell us about some of the various activities, some things you're doing in your work right now to ultimately change the conditions that you found yourself in. 
when I got out of prison, I knew I didn't want to go back, but I was released in the same way I had been released before with nothing. And so I was blessed to find, it's called the Women's Home in Houston, Texas. And they gave me 14 months of working on myself. Mm. And throughout that 14 months, I was able to grow up. There were things that I did not know that I did not know, you know? I didn't know that I, that normal people had bank accounts. I didn't know that normal people, you know, had homes and they were building credit. You know, none of that was ever exposed to me. I just knew how to run the game on the streets, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, these women, basically, I, I believe they saved my life because they showed me that I could use that same hustle that I used in the streets for good. Mm-hmm. And so... I was introduced to Anthony Graves, and I don't know. Anthony Graves was exoneree number 138 here in Texas. Mm-hmm. He was on death row for 17 years for a crime he did not commit. And I met him in the community, and he was doing testimony at the Capitol and making meaningful change after the state did so much harm to him. Mm-hmm. And so it was really inspiring, and he kind of gave me my my entrance into this political world and showed me, you know, the people who were on my jury showed up Mm -hmm. because our people wouldn't show up. And so that really resonated with me. And I was like, we got, we have to make the change because the people in power are making decisions for us and our family members. And it is harmful. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that we all who are formerly incarcerated went through some of the most challenging times in our lives. But in that, we was able to rebuild our lives. It's almost like in these challenges, you found your purpose, you found a why, you found a purpose, a reason to exist and to be a good parent to your children and to the community. And this is something a lot of people don't see about our lives as formerly incarcerated people and why we're so passionate about this work. So, you know, like this is this is what I asked this question. We just coming out of the midterms and we, we're getting prepared, ramped up, getting amped up for the next next election cycle. And my question is, is like, what, what do you see or what is your hopes for the next couple of years in this in this in this fight around adding value? humanizing those with felony convictions, addressing some of these collateral consequences. What is your hope going into these next few years for election cycle again? One of my major goals and focuses is to get more people who have experienced the injustices within the prison system in front of these people who are making our decisions for us. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do with the Statewide Leadership Council. I help cultivate this confidence you know because when I got out and I all of this legislative stuff I didn't know anything I honestly had to watch but I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill what's <laughs> <laughs> that like, little cartoon that we yeah, used the to cartoon. <laughs> and I'm serious very informative cartoon confused me and I almost cried I was like am I really this out there like I can't grasp this mm. and so with the statewide leadership council I go to people who normally wouldn't have these opportunities Mm -hmm. and who are intimidated by this process and show them, look, I I had to do the same thing. You know, I said, Doug Smith was my mentor. Mm -hmm. I sat in rooms with him where I felt 
like a child. I had no idea what he was saying, but he was very instrumental in empowering me and showing me, you know, cultivating that leader within me. Mm. And so that I'm like forever grateful for. And I also want to give that back to people in our community. Mm. So when we do come back next cycle, there's a team of us who have created our own teams, Mm. you know, and we're all formally incarcerated and we all are showing that we deserve to have opportunities after we've paid our debt to society. Yeah. 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 Powerful. And you know, you, you talk about Doug's leadership, you know, and Doug, of course, uh, is a fellow of mine from 2018, Mm -hmm. Uh, him and I both graduated together. And so I'm sure that exposure to Doug ultimately led to your path to just leadership USA in which you were a recent graduate. So congratulations again. And so I want to ask you about your experience with leading with conviction. You know, tell us what that was like for you. How beneficial, important was it in your life, uh, in your leadership development, for example? And more importantly, though, you know, was there something about leading with conviction that, you know, really stood out to you as like a favorite part to you? And, you know, tell us why. You know, leading with conviction started with, in my life, with Doug. He went through the process and brought what he had learned back to Austin, Texas, you know? And when I met Doug, I was looking for employment. I had been rejected so many times and he looked at me and believed in me. And that was all I needed, you know? So leading with conviction in him sparked something in me. He was talking about leading with conviction And I had no idea what it was, but also people in this community were like, I've applied there and I haven't got in. So it was also intimidating. And so I didn't know, like, I had no idea what to expect. I just knew that um, Doug was this amazing person in my mind. So he nominated me. And I mean, just the fact that I got in was amazing to me, like, I had just gotten out of prison in 2017, Mm. you know, and now I'm like in the Capitol. I got chosen for this cohort and it was just like so unreal to me, you know, but the, the leading with conviction cohort that I was in, I met some amazing people across the nation. And I think that was the most valuable is being able to see the work that's being done in other cities, other states. And, you know, Texas is a very difficult political landscape. Mm. So it's easy to get compassion fatigue, Mm. you know, where there's so much that needs to be done. And I just don't think I can do it. Yeah. And then meeting these people across the nation who are doing amazing things, it just constantly inspires me and shows me that, like, we are who we need. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of like the cohort of leading with conviction is that you come into this 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 cohort of people and you start seeing like, you know what, I'm not the only formerly incarcerated person. There's a lot of badass people out in this world that is kicking doors down and, and changing shit, right? That's the beauty of that's the beauty of this this whole just leadership leading with conviction, alums and cohorts. It's everyone that we we speak to in, in training and in passing. Whenever we get a chance, that's the same thing that echoes is that just leadership is felt like home. The training felt like home. 
because it's the first training where you don't have to worry about judgment, your prison sentences, your resume. It amplifies your expertise. Yeah, that's like really a big thing for me because before I got, I met Doug, Mm -hmm. my past was holding me down. I was going all the way up to the third interview and then getting denied because of my background. Mm. And so today, you know, I get to see people all across the nation who have the same or worse challenges that I did. And they're Mm. doing amazing things. And, you know, they say that you surround yourself with people that you want to be like. Mm. And so I'm constantly feeding my soul with people who have been through the worst and are doing amazing. And so, and and it's my resume now. What I went through was not in vain. I use that today. And it's amazing to me. Like, I never thought that that would be a virtue or something of value in my life. And today it is. So now you have a solid foundation, Maggie. Where do you see yourself in your work, in your personal life, in five years, for example, or even up to 10 years? So, Last year in Texas, we passed a bill called the Family Reunification Bill, which is House Bill 2926. And um, like I mentioned earlier, I lost custody and my parental rights to my children. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gaining them back now because of this law. Right now, I am preparing to be a mom again Mm -hmm. after not being a mother for so long. I haven't had a child in my home since I've been sober. Mm -hmm. And so that's my immediate future. And I think within five years, I would like to be doing some um, national organizing work. And I feel like I'm, I'm making those connections and relationships. I know that I want to do something big for reentry here in Texas because reentry is so, it's such a nuanced mm-hmm. subject. They say they're here for reentry, but it's really only for certain people. And so, yeah. Working nationally and bringing those systems that are working into Texas is something that I hope to be working on in the next five years. I think those are some realistic goals and some great goals that continue to inspire you, especially knowing that that you have an opportunity now to have your children come back into your home. And you've always never lost the title mother, but now you have an opportunity now to really show that what it means in that verb since love is a verb. Just Leadership USA amplifies the power of directly impacted people by investing, educating, empowering, and elevating their voices so they have the tools and resources to self-organize and advocate for themselves, their families, and their communities. Together, we build an equitable, fair, and just U.S. To date, over 1,400 leaders in 45 states and in Washington, D.C. are hard at work transforming people and communities who are harmed by mass incarceration. Please partner with us to bend the arc of criminal legal reform by donating to our leadership programs today. Our network of leaders is strong and growing. Together, we're building local power for national impact. Every donation supporting JLUSA and our leaders has a ripple effect across families, communities, and generations. With your support, we can continue working together towards our singular vision of a just, equitable future for all. To learn more, go to jlusa.org backslash give 2023. That's jlusa.org 
backslash G-I-V-E 2023. As you're preparing and the goal, preparing for motherhood again, to just have your children in your presence, and you're thinking about the national work that you intend to, you know, do in the future, and I truly believe that, that it will happen. Um, the thing is now, as you doing these things, what are you doing to take care of Maggie in, in this self-preservation, this self-care model? What are you doing when you when you're facing the rejection, when you're facing the challenges, when when your children are now in the home and you know you had all of these fantasy thoughts of saying they're gonna be home and they come home and they're gonna be scratching you like ah ma, what do you have in place around self-care and why do self-care matter to you? One thing that I never had in my addiction was somebody to say, I'm struggling right now, you know? And so that wasn't really a thing for me. I couldn't open that up to anybody. So today, a part of my self-care is being able to say, look, I'm very frustrated. I don't even know why I tried this, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to just voice that and realize like, like I, I told my friend last week, this is what I wanted, right? This is what I wanted, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but just being able to speak to people in my community and they encourage me and I've never had that before. So it takes a village, right? You know, mm-hmm. and that's to me is self-care is being with my tribe and mm. building each other up my self-care is I spend a lot of time reading and just focus on what's going to happen next mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that leads us to our next question Maggie you know a lot of people especially you know black men for example who you know have been you know ostracized from the education system to a great extent um, when they go to prison for the first time they open up a book like mm-hmm. myself, very literate before I went to prison, but I had never opened up a book. So, you know, what about you? Did you find yourself in prison uh, seeking out knowledge and, you know, a thirst to feed yourself? And, and did you read any books? And if you read any books, how influential were those books uh, in your life? Or, or were they just books just to pass time, for example? Yeah, that's a great question. I had never actually really had a relationship with education. Mm-hmm. I mean, with reading, like just just to read. If I had read, it was because I needed something. But the first time I was incarcerated, I didn't read anything. I ran the day room with other people and obviously got out and went back, you know? (laughs) And so the second time I just was so beat down, right? That I knew I needed something in me to, to change. And so one of the most influential books, it was, We're All Doing Time. Mm, I remember that. I need to see that cover. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, that book like changed my everything, you know, just realizing like we put things in motion that are going to catch up to us one day. And it's just like it changed my thinking. I read a lot of spiritual books while I was in there. So um, because that was what I where I felt like I was lacking the most, you know, like I had no I, I had no connection. And, you know, just realizing that everything is within me has been the biggest life-changing thing. And so now I read constantly because, like I said in the beginning, I felt so ignorant when I got out. Like, all of these big, huge words, I was so intimidated. I'm pretty sure you have heard, you and Hakeem have heard that readers make leaders, you know, 
And that's really literally, it sounds cliche and all that, but it really, it, it really is. Cause when you look at leaders around the world, you look at their life and you will see that reading was a part of their regimen, mm-hmm. you know, and they would read a certain amount of books a month, a year, or whatever the case may have been. And that's been a powerful tool that have helped so many leaders who are formerly incarcerated now walking in this space around advocacy work. All of them tie a lot of their leadership back to one book, several books, you know. And and there's go to this next question. I'm curious to know is like you said the book, We All Are Doing Time inspired you to see you differently. But where did you like who inspired your leadership? A person? Was it somebody inside of the system? Was it a volunteer that came in? Was it a was it somebody in or out? You mentioned Doug, but you didn't meet Doug until you got out of prison. Who was that person that you saw inside of that prison environment that really inspired you about leadership? So like the moment that sticks out in my mind that made me realize, you know, this is Texas and I was in prison during August heat. I also was incarcerated during Harvey. Mm. And so I was incarcerated with some elderly people mm-hmm. who I knew I was suffering. And I would look in their faces and be like, this is insane, you know? Yeah. That always burns into my mind. Like, I believed that if we just got out and told somebody that we could save these people who are suffering in here. And so that sparked something within, like this fire within me, like, we got to do something about this. One of the ladies, I called her Nana. I can remember her looking dead in my face. And she called me Luna. That's my last name. And -hmm. she was like, Luna, am I going to make it out of here? Mm -hmm. And she only had a six month sentence. So that could have been her death sentence, you know, that created this fire within me. Like, you know, I don't care what you have done. Nobody deserves to feel like we felt in that prison, you know? So I feel like that sparked the leadership within me. That's deep. Thank you for sharing that. Um, That's a powerful, precious story, actually. So let me ask you this too, Maggie. What is your hope coming up into the new year, coming up into 2023? Um, And tie that into your vision for the future. So for 2023, right now, my focus is our legislative session. Texas only has it once every other year. And so we have three pieces of legislation that I'm hoping we can get either moved or get the conversation started, right? One of them is the um, emergency preparedness Mm -hmm. within TDCJ because of Hurricane Harvey and people like me who suffered in there. We're also working on a parole common sense um, package. And then we're also working to remove collateral consequences for people like me. And that would help me and other people in the next five, 10 years, because it would give us a pathway to have our records sealed after we've paid our debt to society, after we've done what we've needed to do, you know? I can't even rent a place right now Mm. in my name. And so I've been paying rent on time for three and a half years, but it goes nothing towards my credit, nothing. And so that's something that hopefully we can get that barrier removed. And then people like me, we can start generational wealth. You know, I I have nothing to invest because of my past. Yeah. And then my children shouldn't have to suffer for that. And see, I think that's important that you highlight that because a lot of people, this is again, why we're so passionate about this work. This is why we're like, it's, it's a natural, it's, it doesn't become, it's not a hard thing for us. We naturally go out and speak. We naturally lead. 
because we're living these collateral consequences every day. We know what how how it impacts our lives. And it just sometimes just baffles me. It just makes me wonder, like, who in the world like created these these collateral consequences? What, what were they thinking? And it's obviously they were not thinking about us, you know, and, and now it's up to us to like walk out of these environments and literally change something. Like we say that we support redemption, second chance mm-hmm. opportunities, but then why a person is still being denied access to living as parents? Like you're a mother, I'm a father, Hakeem's a father. And they're saying that you can't rent a house, but that's part of your condition as a citizen is to have a safe place to live, you know? And mm-hmm. that's just to me, I just want to say, continue to fight the fight. And this is what Just Leadership is all about, is that we're using the voices of those who are impacted by something to be able to amplify the, the, the issues. Because if we don't speak up, then guess what? These laws will continuously be barriers that hold so many of us back. We are so excited to invite you to the Just Leadership USA 9th Annual Benefit Gala, Monday, June 5th, 2023, at PhD Rooftop Lounge at Dream Downtown in New York City. We're excited to bring JLUSA leaders, allies, and advocates together in person to unite around our shared values and propel our vision for the future. During the last year, we've made significant strides in building our capacity and infrastructure to become the only national systems change movement and policy table led by and for directly impacted people. This coming June, please join us for our first in-person celebration in over two years. Learn more at jlusa.org backslash gala. That's jlusa.org backslash G-A-L-A. Maggie, we're coming to the end of this interview, just this great conversation. And I just have like maybe one more question. And I'm pretty sure my um, co-host, Hakeem, has something to ask you. But we want, I want to talk about failure for a minute. Like, you know, failure is something I heard Will Smith says that success is that you fail first, like fail now and fail often, which equals success. But my thing is, I'm asking you, like, what are some of the lessons you learn in your failure? that has put you in the position where you're at today? That is such a great question because when I first got into just leadership and all of this world, failure was terrifying, mm. you know? And today I've learned that it's needed to get to that next level. Nobody just wakes up and is like, okay, I know what I'm going to do today and it's going to work, you know? And some of that was built into me just by my organizing, you know? Mm. I've failed a lot. I've done things that, would have worked somewhere else, but just didn't work here. Mm-hmm. And I heard, uh, well, what is failure? It's just failure, you know? And that was like mind blowing to me. Like, right. Nobody's died from failing. <laughs> right. Nobody dies from that. <laughs> it may hurt, but you ain't going to die from it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and also like failing in public gives me like that courage mm-hmm. to not really mind succeeding in public you know because it's sometimes it's hard for me to differentiate criticism and all of that so just being able to be okay with it it's it's changed everything when it says success is failure turned inside out 
Like yeah. when you think about what's success, the success is failure turned inside out. We all fail in life to get where we need to be. So thank you again for sharing that. Hakeem, you have anything before we close? Yeah, yeah. I do want to ask you a, a question. Um, a lot of people live by, you know, various models, you know, or philosophies that help really guide them. Sometimes we write these words down on vision boards and things like that. Uh, we, you know, we've interviewed people who have gotten special tattoos to remind them of something, you know, model mm-hmm. something that keeps them focused. Do you have a model in life? And if so, share it with us, please. The one that has stuck with me since I got out of prison is be a voice, not an echo. Mm, be a and voice, so, not an echo. Hmm. So like that has really driven me to be that voice. You know, like my son's been in foster care for six years. He doesn't know how to ask for the things that he needs. And so I've been on their front door for the last five years hmm. telling them, you know, so that kind of resonates with me, like just like with the women in prison who can't get into the legislator's office. I want to be that voice instead of saying, man, I wish I would have done more, hmm. you know, so love thank that. you. Love that. We've been wrapping this up. Just wanted to say again, thank you for being a guest on the Just Us Speak podcast. We really appreciate your energy. We appreciate what you your contribution to this discussion today, but most importantly, the work that you're doing in Texas. Um, continue to walk in your purpose. Continue to use your gift to unlock the doors. And as you mentioned, continue to be that voice, not an echo for those that you're standing for. Um, do you have any departing words of wisdom that you want to share? Well, yeah, I do want to say that Lester and Hakeem, it's been an honor to be able to know both of you and be part of just leadership family. And so I'm really grateful. I'm excited to see where this podcast goes. Thank you. Like you said, this podcast is going to be the biggest and the baddest podcast in this criminal legal system conversation. That's how we intend. Just leadership, we do it big. Again, thank you, Maggie, for being our guest. And again, we look forward to having you back again to talk about some of the new things coming up for you in the near future. Be blessed. Thank you.